Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Young adults are staying away from Christian churches in record numbers. There's been quite a lot of research done on this, and across our country, the numbers of young adults in our churches has declined dramatically. Many of them, though we find out, are rejecting the church or Christianity, and yet they have never been to an hour of worship. They've never been to a place like this. They've never been to a Sunday school class. They've never experienced a youth fellowship meeting, and yet they are rejecting Christianity. It's become so prevalent that I would guess that everyone here knows someone who has rejected Christianity. Think about those you know. I bet you know at least one person, if not more, who has decided the Christian life and the Christian church is not for them. But when I have opportunity to talk to young adults about this and we are able to have a little further conversation, what I find almost always is that they're rejecting a literal interpretation of Scripture and they're rejecting churches that do not believe in the insights of science. But I do not hold a literal interpretation of Scripture, and I do not reject the insights of science. And yet there's so many different voices under the Christian umbrella that they have sort of rejected it all. They've sort of thrown the baby out with the bathwater, I think. But they raise a very good question for us in terms of how do we distinguish between parts of the Christian faith that lift up and include people and help them grow and those who exclude and push down and stunt growth. I've put a couple of questions in your outline. How do we decide which parts of religion to follow and which parts to ignore? How do we decide which voices to follow? That's the language John uses here, that the sheep follow the voice they know. How do we decide? How do we discern the voice to follow? Now, we're in the 10th chapter of John this morning, but I'll remind you in chapter 9, Jesus had a controversy with the leaders of the synagogue in a place. And they were having a debate, a disagreement. But I'll remind you at the time of this story when John's writing decades later after Jesus had the controversy and at the time of Jesus, 
that they were all Jews. I would suggest to you that this is a family argument within Judaism. This is not an argument between Jews and Christians or Jews and other religions. This is inside the family. Which way should we interpret Judaism? Which way to go? And of course, Jesus is saying his way is the right way. John is agreeing with him. For those of us as Christians, we would all say, of course, Jesus is the clearest revelation of God. He's the one we're going to follow. So most pertinent to us today is how do we know or recognize the voice of Jesus? In the third verse, Jesus is saying these words. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. How do we know the voice? How do we recognize the voice? One of the Bible commentators I was reading this week talked about shepherds and sheep. I didn't know very much about that, but he told me, told me quite a bit about that. He said, you know, there's a difference between those who keep sheep for meat and those who keep sheep for wool. He said one of the differences is those who keep them for, will, for wool have a much longer relationship with them. You with me? <laughs> they have long enough to learn the shepherd's voice. They say that these shepherds call the sheep and they all have their own distinctive voice or their own peculiar way to call the sheep. One observer talked about when he was in the Middle East, he saw this being acted out. These two shepherds with separate flocks stayed together one night with their flocks using a cave for shelter. He said the next morning, one of the shepherds got up, got up, walked outside of the cave into the sunlight, looked back at the cave, began to make this call, and sure enough, here came all these sheep. Not all of them, though, just his. He said it was only a few minutes before this shepherd had his flock and the other fellow who had stayed in the cave had his flock, that they had separated themselves because they knew the call or the voice of their shepherd. These sheep knew the shepherd's voice because they had spent time with him in the flock. I think this is key for us as Christians to realize if we're going to recognize the voice of Christ our shepherd, it's important that we spend time together with one another in the flock. That it's important that we participate in the life of the church. Although Jesus called disciples, it was a group of disciples, and he established the church as a way to carry on the faith and the revelation of God. It was in the congregation. We heard Lee reading earlier about the earliest Christians in the book of Acts and how they gathered together for prayer and Bible study and fellowship, how they organized themselves to be together. It was a body of believers. It was the beginnings of the church. It's so very important that we understand that Christianity is not a solo experience, even though it has individual facets, but it's a corporate 
experience. It's a body of believers. It's the church. In our own book of discipline, which is our United Methodist book of guidelines, it has our history and theology in there. At one point, they're talking about John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. And they say, for Wesley, there is no religion but social religion, no holiness or Christian life but social holiness. Wesley put it even more bluntly one time when he was writing. He said, holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. To our point today, we best learn to recognize the voice of Christ in the company of others. In other words, we best learn and live the faith when we do it together, when we do it with one another. If you just think about the last few weeks here in worship, you'll see this illustrated. Just two weeks ago here at the altar rail, we had 20 confirmands. We were baptizing some of them and confirming all of them. They were standing up and saying, yes, this is what I believe. And we were saying, we're confirming you and knowing that you've studied and are ready to take that step in faith. But you know, they weren't doing that alone. They did that with the group. They did that in worship because we're a worshiping community. We're a body of believers. Or last Sunday, if you were here, you had opportunity to come forward to participate in Holy Communion. We do not do that alone. We do that in a group. We do that in church. Because it's so important on our Christian journey that we have brothers and sisters around us. It deepens our faith. It enriches our experience. It helps us understand what God is doing in our lives. I mean, there are those disciplines you can do alone. You can pray alone, fast, read your Bible. But if you only go solo, if that's all you do, I would dare say that your experience of Christianity is truncated. That it's really a limiting experience to try to be faithful all by yourself. Christ established the church as a way for us to grow and live out our faith and when we miss that we miss the blessing of the christian life john wesley talked about what he called holy conferencing or christian conferencing sometimes it's referred to as holy conversations other people write about it and call it spiritual discernment but in any case they're all talking about the same kind of thing which is we best hear the voice of the shepherd, the voice of God in Christ, when we do it with others, that we help one another discern what God is saying, where God is leading, and what God is doing. Most of us have probably had that kind of experience on a personal level when we were trying to make a relationship decision, or maybe we were at some place trying to make a career decision, and we just weren't sure which way to go. And so we called on a friend, or maybe two or three, and said, what do you think about this? Would you talk with me about that? And when we're particularly looking not only for direction, but for God's direction, it's a holy conversation. Because we're purposely looking for how God might be leading us. Have you had that experience? Where you sought out a Christian friend or maybe a pastor? I had someone call me this week with that very kind of concern. Just wanting to talk a little bit about a difficult situation, some transition that was going on. He wanted to talk about, now, which way do you think I should go on this? What are different perspectives? That's spiritual discernment or 
holy conversation. How is God leading me? What is the voice of the shepherd? How do I learn to recognize it, to know it, and to follow it? But I think there's another blessing here that we might gain. We have so many controversial issues in our society today. You can take gun safety or marriage equality or abortion or any number of issues. Name your own. And what I see in almost all those discussions is that it brings out high emotion among people. They feel very strongly. They're defending their position. But what happens all too often is that what starts as a rational debate sort of degenerates into hate-filled speech and negative accusations. And what troubles me is that many of them are claiming to be Christians, and yet they're attacking others. They're attacking their faith and their character. I think we should do better. I think we could do better in our rhetoric as Christians, particularly within the body of believers, in terms of how we treat one another, even when we disagree. I think John Wesley's idea of holy conferencing really might be a blessing for us in this day and age. I mean, what if we entered into these discussions earnestly trying to listen to someone who may disagree with us i mean really listening for why they believe that and what their experiences is and where they're going with that but not only that what if we were trying to together within the body hear the voice of god what if we started with saying maybe god can lead us through this even though we disagree do you think it would change the tone and the tenor of the conversation if we thought staying in conversation with the flock was the best way to hear the voice of God in Christ would that make a difference I think if we started a holy conversation marked by a desire to hear the voice of God and to watch over one another with love I think that would serve us better in our lives as individuals in our life as the church I think it's a better starting point. I mean, what if we thought about those fruits of the Spirit that Paul writes about when he's writing to the early Christians in Galatia? Do you remember those? He lists what it looks like for those who are following the Spirit. He says it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, 